Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And we are back on the Believe in the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Golden of Jets X Factor. And as always, I got former Jet running back Lamont Jordan here with me. It has been a slight hiatus. Unfortunately, the flu bug got me pretty bad. Had to take some time off because of that. I was sicker than the Jets offense uh, on a recent Thursday night game that we are here to review. We'll start right into it. Uh, as always, where the game starts, presented by betonline.ag, our sponsor. Thank you to betonline. Betting time is here. Basketball season getting into the swing of things. We're getting into college basketball season as well. March Madness coming up in a couple of months. We need some other things to look forward to as Jets fans. As it looks like this season is not going to end as it has started in as much of a positive way. So if you guys are looking to add some fun holiday cheer to a pretty dreary holiday season with the Jets, head on over to Bet Online. Use the promo code Believe B L E A V. That'll get you a fifty percent sign up bonus with your first sign up. Let's get right into it, Lamont. As always with this game. As we always say, I'm not holding any punches. And when you have a 16 to three embarrassment on national television, when everything that really could have gone wrong does go wrong, it starts at the top. And if we want to praise coach Robert Sala when things are going well and say he's built the culture and they're weathering the storm and it starts with him when it's good, then it starts with him when it's bad too. And this was ugly. So that was an embarrassing performance from Robert Sala's squad on Thursday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let alone Zach Wilson, we'll get into his struggles in a minute, but there was a lot of other issues with this team as a whole. The defense had some some lapses in coverage. Trevor Lawrence was picking them apart with ease. They allowed a 96-yard, 18-play drive in the second quarter where anything the Jaguars wanted to do offensively, it seems like they were able to do. Didn't seem like Jeff Ulbrich had any idea as a defense coordinator what to do to stop it. Doug Peterson, the Jags head coach and offensive play caller, was absolutely on his game offensively they got a field goal after a turnover to start the game from the Jaguars and that was the best their offense did for the rest of the game it didn't matter who was at quarterback whether it was Zach Wilson or a literal practice squad player in Chris Strebler they were barely able to generate anything penalties galore run game was inexistent there's really nothing positive to take away from this performance so I want to start here with you as a former player when you have a performance like that when you just get beat in every facet and there is nothing that you can even take away from, how do you move forward when statistically and, and realistically, there is still a chance the Jets could get into the playoffs? How do you write the ship and how do you look forward after a game that was that bad? I've been in this situation many times. Well, not many, because three times when I was with Oakland, where you basically, you need help. Uh, I think the difference between me when I was in Oakland is that it was, we were done pretty early. Like we were needing yeah. help pretty early. Um, the way you get over it is, is you just realize that you have another football game to play and you no longer control your own destiny. Um, and for me, and like, listen, I was the guy, like I was sitting there looking at the paper just as I did as a kid. I mean, like for me, this is how I was able to, 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 to move on and, and just deal with it was I knew what the situation was. Like growing up as a kid, like watching my teams, I was a fan. So what got me through was that I just went back to being a fan. You know, I had fun with it. You know, I would go and I would look and see what do we need. First and foremost, we know we need to win out. 
That's first and foremost. Then I would look at the remainder of our schedule and say, okay, who can we mess things up for? You know, if this team is fighting for home field, if this team is fighting for a playoff spot, if this team has a has a star, then then hey, let's go out there and beat them. And then they'll be talking about us in the playoffs, talking about how this team didn't make it because they lost to the Raiders. So whatever it is you have to do, but it's pretty tough after a performance like this Thursday night at home and your offense comes out there and does what it does. I'm not going to put a whole lot of, I'm not going to put too much on the defense for me from a defensive standpoint. I think that we called a pretty good game. Um, I think we did some predictable things with, 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 with sauce and lined up man to man on a tight end. And, and, you know, he's shown all season long that that's just a route that he struggles to cover, which is that shallow cross where he has to fight and navigate yeah. the traffic. So um, I look at that situation. But for the most part, I saw a lot of bad angles. There were a lot of bad angles. I saw play calls where from a defensive where if I'm looking at things from an offensive coordinator standpoint, I'm saying the Jets defense, they made a great play call. But you had white city, white, uh, white. <clears throat> Whitehead takes a poor angle on one of those Ingram runs that goes down the sideline for a big game. It was a couple of times he took some poor angles. Uh, we had situations where we had Rankins and 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 Franklin Myers. They give up contained. And we're talking about they give up contained in situations where Jacksonville gets yards. And had they maintained contained, they would have gotten a sack, could have forced a punt, or forced a third and long situation. So from a defensive standpoint, I'm, I'm being tough on the defense and listen Doug Peters as a play caller I had a chance to watch him when he was at Philly the commanders always following the commanders game he is a hell of a play caller yes and if I take anything away from the only good thing not not the only good thing because I think that we're going to listen just the nature of how I am and how we've been on this show we're going to find something positive to say <laughs> what I saw is you got an opportunity as a Jets fan to see what an NFL offense looks like by us playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. You get a chance to see what you need out of your quarterback position with Trevor Lawrence, who's in, what, his third or fourth year? Second I mean, I year. His same draft class as Zach Wilson. The pick before <laughs> Zach Wilson. And this, see, now, when I see that, now when we talk about looking from the top down, now we have to say, hey, you know what? Listen, we, we, we got this wrong. We got this wrong. So I'm going to take my hat. I'm not going to take my hat off, but I'm not going to be – as hard on the Jets' defense, I mean, listen, the Jaguars were one for three in the red zone. So did they move the ball down the field? Yes, but this thing could have been a lot worse. They were one for three in the red zone. We were 0 for two. All right, and when you talk about Coach Sala, the first drive that Strebler came in where we moved the ball down the field, and I think we turned the ball over on downs, I think we kicked the field goal. I think we were down by 16 at that point. I think you kick the field goal, get some type of points out of it, because anytime you turn the ball over on downs, you 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 just kill momentum. So for me, that's where I'm going to start with Coach Solly is, is, is that. And and listen, as a Jets fan, you got a chance to see what an NFL offense looks like being rung by a, like you said, by a quarterback that is in the same draft class as the quarterback that we have. Yeah, no, Peterson called an excellent game. And I don't think there's there's any anything to take away from that. Peterson is a proven play caller. The guy's won a Super Bowl. He's done it with multiple quarterbacks. He made Carson Wentz look like an MVP in his second year. You know, this guy knows what he is doing. And I don't think that there is any any shame in admitting that Peterson called a very, very good game and the Jaguars had a great plan for the Jets defense. And I agree 
that this was not a horrendous, awful performance by the defense. This is a team that scored 40 points on the Cowboys the week before, and they were limited to 16 against the Jets with an offense that was constantly putting them in terrible field position and keeping them on the field for a, a dominantly disproportionate time of possession. For the amount of time the Jets defense was on the field with how well the Jags offense has been playing the last few weeks, they mm -hmm. did everything that they could have, realistically. You hold that team under 20 points with any sort of help that you can get from the offense not being there, it's a solid day. Was it a perfect performance? No. And there were issues and miscues that I think you alluded to, mainly playing contained. But on top of that, the few times the Jets tried to spy Trevor Lawrence, they were using Sheldon Rankins to do it. Sheldon Rankins cannot keep up with Trevor Lawrence as a spy. Sorry. That is that is a mismanagement in coaching, in my opinion. It is assigning that guy as the spy when you have plenty of athletic players on your front that could do it. You don't have to make it a linebacker. Jermaine Johnson, this is why you drafted him. You When he sacks Josh Allen, it's we drafted him for his speed and his pursuit to go chase down guys like Josh Allen. We'll let him go chase down guys like Trevor Lawrence. And if we're mm. looking for positives, like you said, we're going to find one positive. I thought this was a really solid game from Jermaine. Oh, I yeah. thought in the few snaps that he got in, he was making an impact. He's still dominant against the run. Tight ends have no chance to block him whatsoever. His pursuit speed is the same. His ability to change direction on the fly is the same. He did everything in that game to get it sack, in my opinion. And there was a time when he got really, really close on the play that Michael Clemens decleated Trevor Lawrence. JJ was the one chasing him from the other end. So mm -hmm. there's a positive to take from there. But as a whole, this was an embarrassing performance. And I think that there is no bigger indicator than that for me than the amount of times they shot themselves in the foot with penalties at the beginning of drives. I think they had like five false starts, multiple holding penalties that took away only their few semblance of good runs that they had. I feel so bad for our guy, Ty Johnson, because I swear no one gets more good runs called back by holding than Ty Johnson. <laughs> And if Ty Johnson, like if, if holding wasn't a penalty, Ty Johnson would probably have like 200 more rushing yards this year. Mm -hmm. And the, I just hate that for him. But it that was that was rough. And, and this is the point I want to make. And this is what's really struck me over these last couple of games, watching the Vikings offense, watching the Lions offense, now watching the Jaguars offense three weeks in a row. There is no cohesion to the Jets offense whatsoever, let alone who's the quarterback let alone, even at its best, even with Mike White. And this is the point I want to make for everyone listening. This is not a point about Zach Wilson. It is a point about Michael Floor. That does not mean Zach Wilson is, a, is not at fault. That does not mean that he is not to blame. And we will get to his problems. But right now, we're talking about the offensive coordinator and Michael Floor. He has no idea how to help his offense when it's struggling. He has no idea what to do to get cheap yards and get into a rhythm. He has no idea what to do to get himself out of holes that have already been dug in. And I get it. When you got a quarterback that you don't trust to make the simplest of reads and you got an offensive line that couldn't get push off the snap if it killed them in the run game, you got issues. And it's going to be hard to find ways to move the ball. That said, I watch the, the Vikings and the Jaguars and the Lions, and I see calls <laughs> that I've seen other teams run the week before that they picked up from tape that they know work and they add into their game plan. That's a specifically crafted play to attack the Jets defense. I don't see any game planning from this offense. I don't see any idea of 
we studied this team and we studied what other teams did well to beat this defense. And we're going to pick up some things for this game because we like that idea and we think we can make it work too. I don't see any progression of plays building off of each other. You have the fourth and one play for the lions that scored a game winning touchdown for them and a game that we didn't review because the flu had me that knocked out. That is a play that was set up earlier in the game and another third and short where they call the same motion and it's a run to the right side. That's why CJ Mosley flows so hard to the right and the tight end on the block and release going the other way is completely and totally wide open enough to run 51 yards for a touchdown. You don't see that from Michael Floor. And that is a problem in my opinion. I know that there's a lot of other struggles and the point I want to get to next after this is going to be talking about the offensive line and the run blocking, but there is no semblance of a plan of attack. There is no semblance of plays building <laughs> off of each other. And I don't see any sort of new wrinkles or anything added in besides what they've already tried all season that hasn't worked to get them out of holes. And it's really, really limiting any ability for this offense to have any sort of semblance of consistency. When you've added in the penalties, it gets even worse. The last point I want to make, Lamont, and it's something you brought up a few weeks ago, and ever since you've said it, it's stuck out like a sore thumb in every game. Our tight ends are so soft in the run game. They're laughably soft in the run game. It's, it's bad. It's really, really, really bad. Conklin cannot block. It doesn't matter if it's a defensive end or a linebacker or anybody. He cannot, cannot hold his ground. Uzama, when he, they're trying to run that little tight end motion in the pitch and he's supposed to, to knock out the front side defensive end, it, it's, a, it's a horror show every time. And they're killing themselves. When you put yourselves behind the chains with penalties and a run game that you call a run play on first down practically every start to every drive that goes for two yards at best, and you get behind the chains, there's nothing you can do when you have a quarterback that you don't trust. And it's this is a mess from all angles on offense. So I, I'm really curious to hear your opinion on what needs to change to, to have some amount of improvement over these last two games, because I think it goes well beyond just who's at quarterback. You you said something about Detroit and basically how they set things up. They did a good job of setting things up and how teams can look at their opponent's film the week before and basically say, hey, listen, this is what works against them. Why not do that? Yep. And the answer for me is, to me, is simple. You can do that when you have an identity. It's very simple. When, when you are who you are, there's an expectation that people have of who you are. And so when you do something outside of who you are, I'm sorry, so people will prepare for who you are. Once you do something outside of who you are, now it becomes a shock because, hey, this is not your tendency. This is not who we've known this person to be. Well, it's the same thing. If you look at the Jets offense, like when it comes to identity, we are a team that has no idea who we are. In fact, I think that when it comes to identity, offensively, we are the worst team in the National Football League. I think I would put commanders right above us. Two teams with solid defenses who are struggling at the quarterback position with a plethora of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. The thing that we both have in common is that we have no identity. 
So it's a lot easier for Detroit. It's easier for Minnesota because when you prepare for these teams, you know what you're preparing for. You know that this is who they are. This is what they're going to do. That's not the case with us. And so when you try and go and imitate something that you've seen somebody else do, you, you're going to have a harder time succeeding at it because you're just trying something. You can't be power football all of a sudden because you've seen a power football team do a power play against a team and think that you're going to go do the same thing and have the same results because that's just not who you are. You can't go out and imitate it. And, 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 and I'll never forget this. When I played with the Jets, when I played with the Jets, my third year, we didn't go to the playoffs. Horrible. That year, we came in wanting to do sideways running, Mike Shanahan stuff. Because it worked for them. But guess what? We had a horrible season. The following year, the running back coach comes in and tells us, Bishop Harris, he says, hey, fellas, give me your top five runs. We're going back to doing what we do. We're going back to who we are. That following year, Curtis Martin became the oldest running back to win the Russian title, and we were a field goal away from playing in the AFC championship. So the point of what I'm saying is we have no identity. So that's why we can't go out and do other things that other people are doing and being successful is because we have no identity. It's like we're a high school team who has success against high school clubs, but now we want to go up and scrimmage a college team and we and, and, and we can't compete with them physically. Offensively, and I've said this before, and I'm not going to put everything on Zach Wilson, I just don't like <clears throat> our play calling. You are wasting timing and spacing when you take your fastest players your most elusive players in space and you motion them and you use them as a decoy you're not fooling the defense at all that read option crap works when you got neanderthals up front when you got savages up front when you have a quarterback that is a threat to run we don't have savages up front so why would anybody respect our run game when there's nothing respectable about it in any aspect of it? Our tight ends are soft. Our offensive line doesn't look like they know what the heck they're doing half the time in pass protection. Our first drive, we're down there in the red zone on third down. They bought five. They bought five. Yes, you would like for Zach to get his eyes over to the middle of the field or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, that's not his fault. It's yeah. not his fault that the guard goes and identifies that an extra person is coming, but the tackle doesn't make that adjustment. And so to LaFleur's defense, how can you set anything up if the things that you're calling, like either you're putting us in bad positions with the, with, with, with the, with the high school and boy scout type of offense that we run, because that's what we do. We are a finesse offense. We're not going to out finesse the Kansas city chiefs. We're not the Buffalo bills. We're not the Miami Dolphins, who's a finesse offense, but all of those teams have identities. We have no identity. And that starts with the play call. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me not say this. We do have an identity. We are a college-style, uh, a youth-style offense. That is our identity. And this is why I've always been, I've always been against as a play caller, give me a drop back quarterback that can read the defense out, get rid of the ball and have just enough mobility that when things break down, they can run and pick up a first down for me because that's what Aaron Rodgers is. 
That's what Lawrence just showed us that he is. Exactly. And there are a plethora of average quarterbacks or just really good quarterbacks who may not be able to do it with their legs, but they have an ability to catch the ball, pre-snap read, look a safety off, know that they're coming this way, but we got to hold this safety to open this hole up for the dig rock. So if you have a young quarterback that's struggling as a play caller, it is your job to to call something that's going to help them to get into a rhythm. And I just don't see that from our offense. Our identity is soft. That is who we are. We are a youth boys and girls club style offense. That is our identity. And guess what? That crap is not going to work in the National Football League. And we're seeing it right now. And we've been seeing it for five out of the last six games because we've lost five out of the last six games. And I'm putting all of it. I'm going to put some of it on the head coach because you have to put some of it on the head coach. But all of these losses to me, it is on the shoulders of the offense. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. And the point that you made about not having an identity, I completely agree with. And this is the thing. They had an identity that they wanted. They wanted to be a power running team that stresses you horizontally (laughs) and vertically. And when you had Elijah Vera Tucker up front, and Brees Hall in the backfield, it made that a lot easier. You were able to to stress teams with your run game, and they would have to respect you on the ground. But right now, it doesn't matter who's in the backfield because the offensive line and the tight ends are so soft in the run game that they cannot move anyone off the line of scrimmage. And so you have this identity where you want to be this team that can establish the run, make plays off play action. That's their offense. That's what they want to do. Like you're saying with the misdirection, that's their identity of this is what we're trying to set up. But if it's not working to start with, nothing else gets set up afterwards. Mm -hmm. And the problem for me is how many times do you need an example of it not working to start with before you try something else to build off of? You're right. You can't just change who you are in a week. You can't just completely and totally flip a switch and reinvent your play calling and decide we're going to completely copy another team's offense because that's what we just saw that worked. I'm not asking for that. I'm not asking for them to throw everything out and start from scratch in a week. What I'm asking for is anything that we've seen that's different from the expected because teams watching defenses play the jets. It looks like they know what play is coming every time, every single time. It looks like they're not fooled whatsoever. The only time I saw the Jaguars defense fooled was after Chris Trevler called it, got in the game and they called a pass to CJ Uzama and he was so wide open that they couldn't believe they were actually throwing with Chris Trevler. And Trevler almost underthrew it. Uzama had to slow down and turn around. He, he, he horribly underthrew it. Yes. He horribly underthrew yes. it. Uzama had to slow down, turn around and fall and catch it. And there was no one within 10, 15 yards of him. It should have been a walk-in touchdown. That's how poorly... Chris Strebler is as an NFL quarterback, and I know fans love him. I get it. The dude is a practice squad player for a reason. He does not have an NFL arm, and that's okay. It's not fair to expect that of him. Either way, there's no mister. There's no. You're not fooling anybody, like you said. The, the defenses can load the box every time because they know your offensive line can't pass protect long enough to take advantage of anything downfield. They can't run the ball and get any push off the line of scrimmage to try and move people out of gaps so they can scream downhill anytime that they want. 
They can send extra pressure on third down because even if someone gets left in a one-on-one, Zach Wilson's not going to see him. There's nothing good that this offense is doing. And you know what I would have loved? The, the one thing that we've seen teams victimize the Jets with over and over under Robert Sala, and they even did it some the Jaguars themselves last night to where I'm looking at Michael Floor and going, I know this is in your playbook. I know you've practiced this. This isn't completely new. Just try it. Why don't they ever try any trap runs? Why don't they ever try any trap runs? Why is every run outside zone or crack toss or inside zone or split zone or something along those lines or read option? You know what the big wrinkle for this game was? QB power with Chris frickin' Strebler. That's not good enough. That's, that's laughable. That's laughable. I know it's a short week. I know you got struggles up front. I know you got struggles with Zach Wilson, and that's where we'll get to next. But, man... You're an NFL offensive coordinator. You've been trained by some of the best offensive minds in the sport and one of the best offensive minds in the sport and Kyle Shanahan for years. And that's the best you can come up with. Your brother is the head coach of the Green Bay Packers who have had an excellent offense pretty much every year that Matt LaFleur has been the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And that's the best you can come up with. That's unacceptable to me. And for Robert Sala as the head coach, this is where I'm going to end. I know he's your friend. I know he's your best man's little brother. But at some point, you got to go into Michael Floor's offense and go, dude, cut the crap. This is enough. You are sacrificing my team. And I, as the head coach, need to step in and add in some other ideas to try and get this offense going because it is not working and things need to improve. I, you know what? He kind of reminds me of Herm Edwards. Because if I'm not mistaken, Cole Saul, is, he's a defensive guy, right? Yes. Herm Edwards was a defensive guy. And he had a guy that he trusted on the offensive side of the ball. And the one thing that I love about coaches like that is that they allow their coaches to coach things up. And you said something about LaFleur and the people that he's learned the game from. You brought up Shanahan. And you brought up uh, in Green Bay, um, his brother. This is his brother. brother. His yeah, brother. his older brother. I think about the offensive coordinator that we have here with the commanders. It's amazing how similar these two teams are. Because when I say two stud real, receivers that went to Ohio State, too. Yes. I, and listen, my top two backs in the draft, both of them there. All right. Scott Turner is the son of North Turner. All right. Here's the issue that I'm having with LaFleur. The two names that you gave that he learned down there, which was his brother and Shanahan, if you look at their offenses, their offenses are based around power running football, which yes. controls the clock. Okay. Our offense is based off of read option high school crap. If you're going to, and so I brought up North Turner's son because in North Turner's offense, if you go back and you remember with the Dallas Cowboys when they were rolling, he was yep. downhill, smash mouth football, play with action. Danny and Tomlinson in San Diego, Danny same Thomas, thing. Said it was, that's what his offense was. But when you look at his son run his offense, when you look at his, you look at Scott Turner run the offense, you don't see that. You see the same thing. You see this high school uh, boys and girls club type stuff that they're doing. 
that stuff works in high school and in college when you're playing against teams that don't have the talent. We're playing against NFL defenses that are fast. You're not going to be able to have success doing that. You don't have you don't have Mahomes who could just make everything okay. You don't have Allen who could just make everything okay. You don't have the offensive line to move people out of the line. off the line of scrimmage to to have that stuff set up. You have no threat to the inside. There's no reason for defensive ends to come crashing down and and, and have a threat of the run game to open up the backside because they know the defensive tackles are going to walk back to center every snap. It, it's exactly. there's nothing that. This is what kills me, Lamont, and I'm not trying to cut you off, but but this is all the stuff we've been saying for weeks. <laughs> this is nothing new. This is not any new issues that, that have cropped up. It's not like they've gone away from this and it's still not working. They're smashing a round peg into a square hole over and over and thinking it's going to work. It's the definition of insanity. So I don't want to bring this up right now. I'll wait to the end of the season. But I will say this. It's hard to run traps and stuff if you don't have a fullback. And if you don't have a tight end, that's 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 physical. If all you have are these 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 pretty boy tight ends, all right, then you're not going to have a successful run game. It's, it's, it's just what it is. You know, even Kelsey blocks. Grunk, he blocks. I mean, you have guys out there who are willing, even if they aren't the necessarily the best at it, you have guys out there that you, when you watch the film, you see that he at least has the heart to put in the effort that's needed. I don't see that out of our tight ends. And so when we look at how our roster is being built from an offensive standpoint, and I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to bring this up now. We Right now, we need to be looking for tight ends. We need to be looking for tight ends, and we need to have a fullback. If I'm Robert Sala and I'm coming in there, I'm saying we need to get physical tight ends, and we need to have a fullback on our roster because that's what we're missing. We said it last year. And I'm going to say it again this year. We have no physical presence on the offensive side of the ball. We nope. don't. Our wide receivers, for all the complaining they do about Zach Wilson, they need to do a better job of getting their noses dirty when it's time to go run block. Corey Davis lining up here, having the safety coming in, and then the safety comes in and makes a play on a run. You come in there sticking your hands out like that, that's not blocking. Running half-speed routes, that's not helping out the quarterback. That's not helping out the play caller. And so, yes, it starts from the top. So if your style of offense is going to be soft, you can't be upset if your offense is soft. And that's what we are. We are a very soft offense. And that's what it comes down to. It starts with the scheme. And I'm going to keep saying it until it changes. It is boys and girls club. That is why our offense sucks is because we're running a youth style offense. I watch, I've been coaching since I was, since 2010, when I came home, I've been coaching, helping out youth in high school. That is what our offense looks like. Our offense looks like a high school program who only gets to work with their kids two times a week. I'm sorry, a youth program that twice a week. You come to practice on Tuesday, you come to practice on Friday, the day before a game, and we're going to go out here, we're going to have fun, and we're going to hand out ribbons. That's what our offense looks like. And it starts with LaFleur. 
Yeah, it does. It does. It absolutely starts with the floor. I couldn't agree more. I want to make one point before we get into Zach Wilson. And it's, and honestly, sitting here talking to you about it, it's another indictment on on the floor. And quite honestly, it's still Robert Sala for me too at this same position. They drafted a physical tight end to run block. His name is Jeremy Ruckert, and he's been inactive for most of the year. So how many times do you have to watch Uzama and Conklin fail before you can't find another one of your roster spots to have someone else be active? Do you really need that 10th defensive lineman? Or can Jeremy Ruckert come in as the third active tight end for a game, and maybe he gets a chance on those running plays? to see if he can lead some, get seal some edges, to see if he can kick some defensive ends out of the frame. If you try it and it doesn't work, at least you can say you tried. But watching the same players continue to fail and not doing anything about it, that's not a good sign to me. And there's, and there's no bigger example of that to me this year than Lakin Tomlinson at left guard. Your biggest expensive free agent, regardless of position, the guy you spent more money to this year in the offseason than anybody else has been your biggest disappointment up front. And it's like no one even cares. And it's like no one even cares to acknowledge it. I don't think there's been a single time I've seen Robert Sala chew out anyone on his offensive line. They're veterans. These aren't young guys. You're not destroying their confidence. Three of the guys that are playing on our offensive line right now in Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern, and George Fant were going to be starters before this year started. These aren't backups. If they can't be held accountable for poor play, who can? Yep. If that's a problem for me, that's a big, big problem. Let's get to the elephant in the room, and that's Zach Wilson. Because for as bad as everything was, for as soft as this offense is, he's destroyed. He's, he's unplayable. And it is a horrible look for the New York Jets that a practice squad caliber player in Chris Trevler came in the game on primetime and outplayed the number two pick in the draft from two years ago with the same offense. The only difference was we're going to start running QB power and Strebler's legs and ability to get some yards in the run game. They still couldn't score any points, but Strebler put up more yards in two drives than Wilson did in about eight of them. That's not okay. This kid's confidence is destroyed. His mechanics are ruined. Any positive and consistency that he had in his motion at BYU is gone. His ability to sense pressure is non-existent. There's, there's nothing he's doing well right now. Nothing. There's absolutely nothing that he is doing well. His two best plays in the Lions game came on design bootlegs where he has to make one read down the field and he rolled out of the pocket so he wasn't pressured. That's not sustainable. That's not what you're talking about as an NFL quarterback, where you're looking for the guy that can drop back on a consistent basis, read the defense out in front of him, and get the ball to the right man on time and accurately. That's not what that was. Uh, is it a pretty pass on, on the throwback to CJ Uzama for a big touchdown? Yeah, was still kind of behind Uzama and almost deflected. And on top of that, it's a one-read play where he, all he has to do is throw to one guy. He's not looking for anything else. He's not reading a defense. There was nothing that Zach Wilson did last night that was positive. And it is, it's over. And I think that the, I know the only reason he was playing was Mike White couldn't play and that Mike White had his ribs injured. And for the Jets sake, they better hope to God that Mike White's ribs heal. Because if, if Mike White can't play against the Seattle Seahawks, I think you have to play Joe Flacco as bad as Flacco might be. I, I just, 
I can't see how this is a positive for Wilson, for the team, for your organization, for anybody in that building to continue to put this guy on the field. It, honestly, it was a malpractice going back to him to start with. This is, I can't imagine Lamont, and I'm sure you as a player can speak to this. It's not like Wilson's lighting things up in practice. There's no way that he can be a, a completely different quarterback in practice to what we're seeing on Sundays where he can't even complete passes four yards in front of him. Uh, there's for the team and for everybody else in that locker room, it's got to be exhausting watching this guy week in, week out, day in, day out, knowing all year for the times that Wilson was starting in the middle of the year that you had Mike White behind him that was probably outplaying him every single day. So I'm, I'm at the point where if, if the Jets choose to go back to Zach Wilson, then that's a, a negative sign on their judgment, in my opinion. And I'm going to hold Robert Sala accountable for that decision. As always, I'm going to come with a little grace. Zach is back in there. First of all, he got taken out because there were some things that he needed to work on. He was put back in there, I think, too soon. But what other choice did you have? Um, Strevler clearly was not ready. All right. But I love what they did by bringing him up and at least giving them the opportunity. If Joe Flacco had played instead of Strevler, this game would have been worse. It would have been really bad. Really, really bad. I don't want to play Joe Flacco if we don't have an offensive line that's going to hold up. And it's still going to go back to me. Or it's still for me. It's still going to go back to the offensive coordinator. How are we putting him in, in situations to consistently be successful? Call a hitch route. Dude is playing like nine yards off of Corey Davis. Throw a, call a simple hitch. Why is everything so deep? Why, when I can't wait to watch the all 22, if a guy is playing seven yards off the ball and when you come off the ball, he's backpedaling. This is what I mean by helping the quarterback get into a rhythm. Call a simple hitch route. Earlier in the season, I felt like they were moving Corey Davis around. Every snap last night, he lined up out wide. Move him around. Do what we were doing when we had some type of success, when Corey Davis was really actually balling before he got hurt. So, yeah, you have a young quarterback who's struggling, who's put back in there prematurely, and he has a system that is not helping him out. He's surrounded by players who don't want him on the field. It's all in the body language of the offensive wide receivers. Now, here's what I'm going to say to these wideouts. You need to fix your body language because regardless of what anybody's saying, regardless of what anybody says, when Garrett Wilson fumbles the ball, we're still fighting to come back. Let's remember the Cleveland Browns game. Let's remember what we've been saying on this show for the last two years is that one thing about this team is that as long as that clock is going, this team is going to show up and play and compete to win. So. The body language of the people around has to be better. Zach is, is played horrible. He's missing guys. But I can't put all this on Zach Wilson. Do I think the Zach Wilson experience is over? Yes, I've seen this in Oakland. I played in Oakland had for, for three years, had three different head coaches, three di four different offensive coordinators. Because my, last, because my second year, we had two people. We had one guy at the beginning of the year, then we had another guy come in and call the offense. You can't do that to a young player. So what you have is a boys and girls club style offense with no physical presence, 
no identity, no, no professional identity. A quarterback who was obviously good in high school because he had one read. And his form looks pretty. So I'm not going to put all this on him. He is who he is. What we see now, and this is why I want to see Zach Wilson. I want to see Zach come back out there. I hope Zach Wilson gets to play again. Because now I want him to play well enough that when we get to the offseason, we can trade him to a team, to one of these coaches who says, hey, you know what? We can do something with him. That's a good point. <laughs> That's why I want Zach. If we listen, if we're out to playoffs, I want Zach to go in the game. I want Zach to play well. I want him to play well enough that we can trade him. Because I just don't see it working for him in New York. The players have given up on him. It is all over their body language. They have given up on him. So if I'm him, say that for y'all. Okay. Let me come in here. I know that I'm better than a lot of these quarterbacks. And let's make no mistake about it. Somebody's going to give Zach Wilson a chance. Yep. Because if you look at the offensive system he's in, any coach, any of the other 31 coaches, can look and say, well, they really aren't giving him much to work with. Yes, he has talent, but if you're consistently taking your fastest guys and having them at the snap of the ball, they're three and four yards behind the ball, how the hell is that helping him out? So, yes, I want to see Zach play. If we, One thing we know right now is healthy, moving forward, Mike White is our quarterback. Fine, we can come in with that. I want to see Zach Wilson. I want to see Strevler. I think Strevler, with a full week of practice, I think that he has a better showing. I really do. Flacco, I think it's going to be embarrassing if he's out there and we play against a team that's going to bring pressure. So for me, I want to see Zach out there. Maybe not the next game. Maybe you start Flacco. Maybe you start Strevler. But at some point throughout the course of this season, I would love to see Zach Wilson go back out there because now we need to use him to get some type of draft capital. We need to get something back for him, whether it's a second round pick, a third round pick, a key player. We're losing. We, hey, chances are we're losing Mosley this year. Is there a young linebacker that we can get rid of Zach Wilson for and, and, and trade him for some young linebacker that we know can come in and get the job done that's going to contribute to this team right away? So Zach played horrible. I sent you a tweet where I was saying put 15 in the game. Yes, I want us to put 15 in the game because I wanted Zach to get off of the field because the more he plays before he's ready, the less we're going to get from him when it's time to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's best case scenario. Best case scenario is some miracle happens and Zach Wilson plays well enough over the last two games if Mike White can't start and Mike White is not healthy to trick some other team into thinking that they can save this guy with a different system and, and get some capital out of him and get him out of the Jets hair with as much of a return on investment as you could hope for. Because right now it's a massive, massive sunken cost right now. It's a number two pick in the draft thrown down the toilet. And that's hard to recover from as an NFL team. That's hard to recover from as a GM. That's hard yep. to recover from as a head coach. You you very rarely don't get opportunities to mess that up twice. You very rarely don't get opportunities to trade away a guy that was the third pick in the draft, have a quarterback class that's that's shooting for the stars with the second overall pick, and take the worst of the guys that you possibly could have taken out of the group. 
just imagine this team if they draft Justin Fields instead of Zach Wilson. I still but don't think, I, to be honest with you, I think that it, it, we see the same things. The only difference At the is, very least, I, I think Fields is a better runner and a better fit for the college BS that we've become so accustomed to. And I mm-hmm. think that he actually puts more of a threat for the rest of the defense. I think that's another guy that you have to account for. And at the very least, I, I trust Fields to make passes when they're four yards in front of him. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it would be a, a drastically gigantic, monstrous improvement and the Jets are undefeated with Justin Fields, but it's not this bad. <laughs> I, listen, I feel you. I, I Listen, I think Zach, I, I think the best thing for his career is that he gets with a veteran OC. Yes. I, I think yes. He, I, I think he needs to spend a year. And, and to be honest with you, I, I – a a team like the San Francisco 49ers. I could see him going there. I could see him going to a team like Seattle. Anywhere where there's a veteran coach, but specifically a veteran offensive coordinator, maybe go send him to a team that has a a quarterback that's on his last leg. They need a good backup that can come in and learn somebody who has a tremendous upside because let's make no mistake about it. All right. As poorly as Zach is playing, his upside is vicious. Yes, it is. His upside is vicious. You get him. I think what Zach is going through right now is the humbling process. Went to BYU, came in talking about we're going to go to the Super Bowl, which that was the first red flag for me with him. Was in one of his interviews. He mentioned the Super Bowl. Don't do that in New York, dude. Don't do that. As Coach Belichick he always says, veterans say little to nothing. Rookies say even less. All right. So for me. Zach's time in New York, unless within the next couple of weeks, something gets awakened in him to where he comes out and now he's out here looking like Patrick Mahomes. He's looking like his guy that he tries to look like, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Unless that happens, we got to accept the fact that we miss with Zach Wilson. All right. As an offensive coordinator, you have to take the onuses on that because I didn't see anywhere where he got better. That's not good for you as an OC when a guy comes in yep. with certain tools and then he he gets worse. Now, a lot of that we have to put on Zach, but at some point we have to put it on coaching. So I'll finish my last point with Zach with, is, with, is this. I like to see him again because I want to get that I want to get that trade value up. All right. And to save his career, I think that he's better off going somewhere where there's a veteran coach. There's a system already in place where he can take a year to learn the system, work on his mechanics, and then the year after that be in a position to compete um, for a starting job. Because right now, it's just it's just not going to work for him. It's not going to work in New York. We have a great thing going right now. And the only thing, two things we're missing. We need something to happen at the offensive coordinator spot. And I was going to save this for the end of the year, but we need something to happen at the offensive coordinator spot. Agree. He gets better or he gets gone. Yes. It's that simple because I'm not going to put all this on Zach Wilson. We had high hopes for Zach. And so if I'm going to get hard on Zach, I'm going to get equally as hard on the OC. So it's very simple. I think that right now Zach is playing for his next team. And I think that LaFleur is coaching the rest of this year for his job because we can't have, this is two years in a row. 
two years in a row that we've had this. And even with Mike White, the offense still was not producing points. No, Mike White made them better. Mike White made that offense look better than it was. Mike White making clutch throws on third and 10 and fourth and 10 and moving in the pocket and being under pressure. That was because much more of Mike White. And that's an important point to make. And this was the point that I wanted to lead here where I was starting with Michael Floor. Even with Mike White, it's not like this offense is dominating people with their scheme. They're dominating people with their talent. Mm -hmm. And there is a key difference there. Garrett Wilson burning people and being uncoverable and Mike White being able to make clutch throws under pressure is not the fault of Mike LaFleur. And it should not be attributed to Mike LaFleur directly. It should be attributed to those players making plays. That's this is you took the words out of my mouth a lot, and this is going to be my last point as well before we get out of here. You said Zach Wilson needs a veteran OC. I think the Jets offense needs a veteran OC. Yeah, I think it's more than just Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson and his future team agreed, but I think this offense going forward needs a veteran OC. I think this offense going forward needs somebody that's going to have answers that can adapt as the game goes on, that can is not going to be so stuck in their ways and what they're trying to do, that they don't have any other clubs in their bag that they can pull out when things aren't working, that is going to have a way to establish an identity and make sure that when they are in practice, that that is the thing that they focus on. And if they get early signs that that identity isn't working, then damn it, they're going to find a different one. That is what this offense needs. I agree. I think Michael Floor is absolutely coaching for his job. And if the next two weeks we see the same sort of stuff, I think his seat is very, very hot. And I would not, I would be in the camp personally of trying to upgrade and poach somebody from a different team to take this offense to the new, a new height, because I really think that you're wasting a talented defense. You're wasting the youth that you have. You're wasting a superstar receiver in Garrett Wilson, and you better not waste your superstar running back in Brees Hall when he comes back healthy next year because you can't afford running backs careers are even shorter than, than anybody else's and Brees Hall as good as he is, is not going to be amazing forever. And you cannot waste that with this type of offense. I completely agree. I think that does it for us this week. Unless you got any parting shots you want to throw in there. I think we can wrap this one up. The floor is yours. I'm going to say this and I'm looking right now to see where this guy is. And I'm going to say it now. Um, I'm going to throw a name in the hat. And I had a chance to work with this guy coaching the Mike Mart staff. If it's not a veteran and you want to give a guy an opportunity, I am a huge, huge fan of bringing John Kitna in to run the offense. John Kitna is a hell of a coach. I've had many opportunities to sit down and when you have a guy that has learned from a Mike March, the greatest show on turf. Yep. And I've also had a chance to work with him to see, to, to see how he leads an offense, to understand schemes. And he's a guy who's done it in the National Football League who can work with young quarterbacks. I'm going to tell you right now, that is a guy that, and, and, and I'm not sure, I know Kitten is probably coaching somewhere. I don't know if he's in the National Football League. But if you're not going to get a veteran coach, and you're looking to bring in somebody that I believe is going to mesh very well with, with Coach Saul's personality, I'm a huge fan of a guy like a John Kitna getting an opportunity to come in here and run this offense. Uh, John Kitna, the quarterback, making sure that yeah. I got that that yeah. correct. Yes. Current high school offensive co- or high school 
high school football coach right now. Mm -hmm. Now, so that would be quite the jump going from high school football coach to NFL OC, but he's got NFL experience and NFL experience is, is not easy to come by. So if you're signing off on him, I'm not certainly saying anything about it. Most recently, he was the quarterback's coach for the Cowboys in 2019 with NFL mm -hmm. experience there. So uh, if you know him personally and you trust his background under Mike Bartz, that's a very, very respected name in offensive football. Ready to show on purpose, nothing to sneeze at. I'm not going to sit there and say, I I'm, that's a name I'm going to have to research more into. I I'm definitely going to look into that. Trying to pull names out of, out of hats is tough, but but they really need someone with an understanding of NFL offense. Because right now the Jets are not running an NFL offense, and that yep. is a problem. Yep, yep. All right. Well, that does it for us, Lamont. I appreciate your time, as always, stopping by getting the chat. Thank you to everyone for our short hiatus. Uh, sorry about the flu getting me that badly, but we are back and bright and bushy-tailed and better than ever and very excited to close out this year, as rough as it may be to watch. We'll be here to make sure we got it all covered. And as always, thanks to betonline.ag for sponsoring. You can follow the show at B-L-E-A-V underscore in underscore Jets. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 as well. Lamont, once again, appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody, for stopping by. We'll be back real, real soon. See ya. Peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube